Do you understand how there could be any writing in a spider's web? Oh, no, said Dr. Dorian. I don't understand it. But for that matter, I don't understand how a spider learned to spin a web in the first place. When the words appeared, everyone said they were a miracle. But nobody pointed out that the web itself was a miracle. Today on the Human Conservation Podcast, we're going to be discussing something that we all need, miracles. The Human Conservation Podcast. With host Reverend Corby Willette. Restoring faith in humanity by exploring the paths of culture, history, nature, science, and spirituality. Promoting human conservation through human conversation. Welcome to the Human Conservation Podcast. I'm your host, Reverend Corby Willette. I hope everybody had a blessed week and we are seeing everybody well. If you didn't get a chance to catch last week's show, we got our Foundation of Human Conservation series started with a discussion about the Bible. If you get a chance, you should go back and give it a listen. On this week's show, we're going to be discussing something that we all need in our lives every day, and that is miracles. Now, generally speaking, if someone was asked to name something that they would consider a miracle, most often people are going to give the answer, the miracle of life. But it's more than just the miracle of life. It's the miracle of all life. Now, nature, creation, whatever you want to call it, it's all one miracle after another. Let's go to the dictionary and see what old man Webster says a miracle is. It's defined as an event or effect contrary to the established constitution and course of things, or a deviation from the known laws of nature, a supernatural event, or one transcending the ordinary laws by which the universe is governed. What the heck does that mean? Well, let's take a closer look. In short, it's when something that can't be explained happens, or simply when God intervenes on your behalf. Back in 2008, my father had to go to the hospital uh, because he was suffering from full kidney shutdown. He had had a 10-year-old heart transplant, things weren't looking good and they were moving him to the hospice unit. I drove from New Jersey up to Boston and when I got to his bedside his eyes were as yellow as post-it notes and he could barely speak louder than a whisper. His eyes had that like glazed over look and I wasn't even sure anything was saying that I was saying was even registering to him. The phone calls went out to the family and little by little they trickled in to say their farewells because we knew that the time was getting close. The doctor had pulled me aside and said that he's probably not going to make it through the night. Maybe he'll linger a day, two at the most. And I said my goodbyes to my father, and I cried all the way from Boston back to New Jersey. I called him the next morning to see if he was still with us, um, and indeed he made it through the night. I talked to him briefly, but it was hard to hear him because he had sounded so weak. And then the next day I called, and he made it through that night as well. And the third day, except on the third day, he sounded a little better. On the fourth day, he called me to tell me that his kidneys had fired back up like an old engine that hadn't been started in a long time. There wasn't a doctor in the hospital that can offer me any explanation as to how or why he got better. He had no longer been receiving any kind of treatment at any kind, no medications. He wasn't hooked up to any IVs. He was just made to be comfortable. It was a supernatural event 
that transcended the ordinary laws by which the universe was governed. A miracle. My father was kicked out of hospice two weeks later, and within five weeks he went back to work. After that time, he attended my wedding and saw the birth of his first biological grandchild. Again, a miracle. Almost every person that I have ever spoken to has a similar story that they're connected to, an event that clearly depicts God answering their prayers and coming through in the clutch. These big momentous events that change multiple lives and leave people awestruck. I still hold my breath at what transpired with my father, and I am constantly amazed whenever someone shares a story with me about their personal miracle. I mean, reach back into your memory banks and honestly think back to a time when something happened that was just unexplainable and left you looking around going, oh my God, like, how is that? But the truth is, while we're standing there amazed and awestruck, God is looking down at us, looking at us going, what did you expect? I'm here for you working in your life every day. And we fail to see the miracles every day. Or even worse, sometimes we tip our caps and say, thank you, Lord. And then we don't check back in until we need another giant miracle, like he's some kind of plumber that fixes our pipes. You know, in the opening of this episode... I read a quote from the beloved book, Charlotte's Web. If you're not familiar with the story, I recommend it as reading to anyone. It is a treasure trove of value. Now, I'm going to try to do this without spoiling too much. But in the book, Charlotte's Web, okay, there's a little girl, Fern, who has a pet pig. Okay, and somehow the pig gets given to somebody else down the road with the intent to make the pig into bacon. And there the pig uh, meets all of the different farm animals, including a creepy spider named Charlotte. Now, the pig becomes aware of the fact that he is going to be killed and eaten, and he begins freaking out like any of us would upon the news. And the spider makes it her personal responsibility to save the pig from certain doom. So she comes up with a plan that she is going to spin words in the web that are going to make the pig look good. So when the townsfolk arrive the next day, they look up in the corner of the barn, and there in the spider web is the words, some pig. And the people look down and go, wow, that's some pig. That pig is really special. It's a miracle. It's a miracle pig. And the pig becomes the miracle pig. Now, I want to be clear, I am not belittling the book. But what I am belittling is the townspeople in the book. In what world do people drive up to a farm walk up to the pig pen, look at the pig standing there doing nothing, then look up at the corner and see a spider web that clearly has the words, some pig spun in it, and then go, wow, look at the miracle pig. Not one person says, oh my God, there's words in a spider web. That's not some pig. That's some spider. And some of you might actually be giggling right now, but the sad truth is we're the townspeople. Miracles happen right before our eyes every day. We look right past them. And sadder still is when people in front of us are in need and we have the opportunity to be a miracle for them. But instead of spinning our web to help, we serve them up to be bacon. Now let's head back a couple thousand years uh, to the time of Christ. 
The apostles traveled with Jesus. They ate with Jesus, and they spoke one-on-one with Jesus. They saw him heal people. They saw him raise people from the dead even. But even after all they had seen, not one of the apostles stood there and saw the crucifixion as a miracle. They were looking up at his bloody, beaten body. I don't think anyone had the attitude, Yippee! The time has come for our Savior to come into his glory. It's going to be over soon, and then my sins can be forgiven. And after he was raised... Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb of Jesus, sees it empty, and immediately she panics, thinking that someone stole the body. Then she sees him, and she thinks he's the gardener. The miracle is staring her right in the face, but because she has lost hope, she's lost faith when she saw him die, she wavered. And rather than rejoicing at the rebirth of Christ, she degenerates into panic and fear, and she becomes frantic. She starts asking where he took the Lord's body and saying that she'll move it if he wants. And Jesus must have been like, Mary, 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 it's me. And finally, she understands. Many biblically conservative Christians don't really want to look at the science of the natural world. They just want to say it's God's creation and and that's enough. And I don't disagree with that, but looking at the science of things does not contradict God. When you step out the door, you are immersed in God's creation. The miracles are all around you. We said the miracle of all life. When you think about it, how does a spider know how to spin a web? How does a beaver know how to make a dam or a bee a hive? You know what? Let's talk about bees for a minute. At first glance, bees should not even be able to fly at all. But instead of the wonder at witnessing this small miracle of a bumblebee flight, we panic like Mary did. And people could be seen running frantic, waving their arms around, get away, this tiny creature who poses no threat. And everyone's running for their lives because the dreaded bee might sting them. And I know, listen, if you're allergic to bees, obviously this is a different story, but there's such a fixation on that stinger that we look past the small miracle that's buzzing right in your face. But this is the question that I want brought out to you guys. What if the miracle isn't that small? Maybe it just seems small because we're afraid. We're afraid of that stinger, or maybe we don't understand what's going on. Maybe we don't want to understand Maybe something has happened that's causing us pain or grief. And deep down, we don't want that miracle. We just want to go back to the way things were. This happens sometimes when we're having our pity parties. Have you ever been in that mood where friends and family, they're just trying to cheer you up or make you feel better, but you actually want to give them a beat down because you don't want to feel better? But meanwhile, six miracles have probably just passed you during that time. When these massive miracles happen, like that happened to my father or maybe to you or somebody that you know, it's not one event. Usually in these massive miracles, when these things happen, it's a whole series of small miracles that lead up to one big final outcome. You know, there's a great poem that goes all the way back to the medieval times called For the Want of a Nail. And it reads, For want of a nail, the shoe was lost. For want of a shoe, the horse was lost. For want of a horse, the rider was lost. For want of a rider, the message was lost. For want of a message, the battle was lost. For want of a battle, the kingdom was lost. And all for the want of a horseshoe nail. Meaning that the big picture falls apart when the tiniest matters are left undone. 
we hear this in the natural world when we talk about the food chain ecosystems and things like that. Like if you take the plankton out of the ocean, eventually everything collapses, even though the plankton is this invisible creature that nobody could see. What I'm saying is, is that the large miracles are usually just clusters of the small miracles. And if we can recognize that, if we can recognize the little miracles that are happening in our lives, then the hard times become easier because we know that God is working things out on our behalf. That tiny little miracle, the bumblebee, is actually part of a much larger miracle. Flowers, honey, wax. Do you think about all the good things that the little bumblebee does or just, oh my God, he's going to sting me? Let's flip that for want of a nail poem around for a second. The kingdom was saved because of the valiant battle. The battle was successful because the battle orders were delivered. The orders were delivered by a brave messenger. The messenger rode on his trusty horse, and the horse was trusty because his right front horseshoe was fixed by a nail. When you tell the story in reverse now, you can see that how one tiny detail done by one person could set the course for a truly momentous event. And that is the perfect segue to the most important miracle, you. The fact that each of us is even alive is a giant miracle. The odds of us being born who we are are about 1 in 400 quadrillion. That's a lot of zeros. There's a better chance of a spider spinning the entire Old Testament into a web as you being born the person that you are, which is why it saddens me more than anything else when people underestimate their self-worth. Like the bumblebee or the horseshoe nail, the value that each of us brings to the table is huge. We are miracles. And when we stand alone, it may not appear like we can do much. When we understand our own self-worth, understand what we bring to the table, the things that we're good at, then all the little tiny miracles that are us, we start clustering together, and pretty soon we become united. But this won't happen until we understand that it is our differences that make the human race special. The bumblebee is impressive, but they all basically do the same thing. We've been blessed with unique skill sets. Some of us are great musicians, some are great athletes, some are gifted writers, some people are cut out for working hard in hard conditions, other people are artists, others have the patience to teach young children, and this will go on and on and on and on and on. There are as many different skill sets as there are people in this world. Now society in its current state wants to dictate to us that we're not a miracle, that there's nothing that sets us apart from our neighbors. We point at each other's differences now with disgust when we should be raising our hands and saying, I can do this or I can do that. See, if you're a helping hand, you don't have time to point a finger at someone else. And this isn't just a theological thing. Look at any team sport. Don't you need different positions on a football field? The big, strong guys are usually on the line. The quick, aggressive guys usually play defense. The guys with good hands are the receivers. The quarterback's usually the smartest individual on the team. Maybe that's shallow of me to say that, but it just seems like he is the field general, if you will. But the point I'm making is, is each position is vital for the entire team to operate efficiently. And it's like that for baseball, for hockey, water polo, 
any other team sport. You know, I grew up a Dungeons and Dragons nerd. And likewise, when you are building a party for your adventure, you needed to have one spellcaster, a cleric that could heal people, a warrior to do the fighting, a thief that could disarm traps and do sneaky things. But you needed all of these different skill sets in order for the entire group to function at peak performance. And now that's just the man-made stuff. We mentioned briefly before, um, like nature is a great example for this. The ecosystem and plankton, the food chain, all of these little things have to work in perfect balance for this miracle of all life that we have before us. If you take any one thing out of this message, I want it to be this, that your differences are what make you beautiful. Your differences are what make you useful. Your personal skill set, the things that make you a miracle, should never be belittled by anyone at any place because this world needs you just as you are to function correctly. And if you have trouble finding your self-worth, if you're not sure what your unique miracles are, have faith because it may not make sense to you now but it may end up saving a life of somebody someday or somebody else's unique skill set may end up saving yours. Let's just recap quickly before we get out of here this week. So we talked about the big momentous miracles and how generally they are a bunch of small miracles that all build up to this one magnificent event. We also talked about the miracles of nature and the danger of looking past the small miracles, and being blinded to God working within our lives. We have a tendency to become fixated on these giant miracles that we don't stop to look at the small details. Uh, And then we talked about the miracle that is us as individuals and how we need to let that shine and how we don't need to be ashamed of our differences, but actually we should be bringing our differences to the forefront for everyone to see so we could work together and find our own little role in this beautiful world that God has created for us. But miracles are our affirmation from God that he is working in our lives. It's the reassurance that our faith is put in the right place. Part three of the Foundation of Human Conservation series will continue next week when we touch on something that all Christians struggle with, and that is prayer. So please make sure that you tune in for that. As always, thanks for stopping by to give me a listen. If you like what you heard and you want to help out, give the podcast a like. This will help others to find it and help get the word out. And if you want more information about me or the services that I provide, you could find that over at corby.com, spelled C-O-R-B-I-E-Y.com. If you want to join the conversation and you have a question or a suggestion on a possible subject you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, that could be left at hcpodcast at corby.com. And that'll do it. I hope everyone has a happy and safe week this week. Remember to be kind to one another, to listen to one another, because human conservation can only come about through human conversations.